0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now here's your host, Lee Whitting. What is the secret to being a successful theologian? Where does spiritual insight come from? Thought and study? Mystical experience, or the interaction of the two? And how do we as humans become wiser about our fate? Welcome to IN's NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The famous medieval philosopher Thomas Aquinas, a brilliant teacher and doctor of the Catholic Church, was a theologian who wrote more than a hundred works about his understanding of the spiritual Yet just before he died, we are told, Aquinas renounced all his writings as worthless dross, chaff which the wind driveth away. Clearly he'd had some spiritual insight, a a near-death experience perhaps, that showed him the real nature of the light. One of the most revolutionary characteristics of the near-death experience is that it can enlighten any person so blessed, whether they've studied religion their whole lives or who until now have spent their lives in ordinary pursuits. In other words, the NDE is truly a democratic event, an eye-opener to make any of us wiser. The wisdom gets realized in what we do with the gift. Our guest today on NDE Radio is Leonard Rogers, who drives a cab in Plano, Texas. Leonard, in an interview with Amy Stringer, gave us an account of his NDE in the 2011 summer issue of Vital Signs. The quarterly newsletter Rhonda and I produced for the International Association for Near Death Studies. Last week, Leonard sent IANS an email which read in part, My life has been nothing short of miraculous, starting at the very young age of three on up to my present age of 43. My NDE was published in the 30th anniversary edition of IANS newsletter Vital Signs. At the time of the interview, as well as the present day, I've been trying to come to grips with my experience and what it meant for me personally. Now I feel it is time to share this with whomever may want to hear it. I feel driven to not only comfort those who have lost loved ones, but also do my part and whatever I can to end the fear of death itself, something I personally call the inevitable illusion. So now to uh, uh, our guest, Leonard Rogers. Welcome to NDE Radio
1: having
0: me um uh, tell us a little about your um uh, uh NDE experience leonard um uh, for those of uh, who did not get a chance to read your article
1: well um it uh happened at, like i said at a very young age i was three and mm-hmm. I, um i was following an uncle who happened to have been going across the street to a store and um i followed him out the door and he didn't know it of course and Short time later, I step into the street, and of course, I'm struck by the car. And mm. um, at that time, after I got hit, uh, only thing I can remember doing is trying to move, trying to make my body work. And I, I didn't have any any control over my body at all, but I could see. And uh, as I'm looking up at the car, you know, I'm still trying to move my body, and all time, I, I to let go. So at that particular time, I I tried to struggle a little bit more, you know, to to move things. And at the point that I decided to stop fighting, all of a sudden I I felt a vibration go through my body. And uh, it's like the vibration started slowly and then it worked its way up to a climax. Well, when it finally got to the climax, I felt myself lift out of my body. And it's at this point that I'm seeing things from a third person perspective. I'm I'm looking at the scene and I'm looking I can see buildings and I remember noticed that the buildings looked like the negatives of a photo. And yeah. and I also noticed that there was a, a woman calling me, you know, to come to her across the street because it was like it was an intersection and she was on another side of the street. So the communication was, wasn't was verbal. It was like she thought it, and I instantly got it. Well, she she asked me to come to her, of course, and I was a little nervous, so I, I replied that I thought I was going to get hit again. And she informed me that I would be okay. So I decided, okay, well, I'll go. I really didn't even know how I was going to do it, but I just started, I guess. And the next thing I know, I'm moving. And as I'm moving, I notice a really bright, white light, like over my right shoulder. And mm-hmm. as I look at this light, I felt as if I had seen all of this before, or, you know, I had been where I was before. And as I'm having that feeling, I happen to notice a picture of me, you no, know, just appear. And as I'm looking at this picture, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I remember that moment. I remember, I don't know how I know I remember that moment because at the time, apparently I hadn't lived a life. But as I'm looking at the picture, I remember the moment. So this picture goes by and another picture comes up. And these are obviously images of my life. So these pictures start going by. Pictures, videos, images, you would think, I guess everything that I'm going through now, I was showing a bit of it then. So Mm. these things start going by and, and apparently, At some point in time, it goes by a little too quickly, and I can't, it's like I I couldn't take the speed in which they were going by, but I was living every moment of it. It's kind of hard to explain. But Mm -hmm. at some point in time, it stopped on a a particular picture. Now, as I'm looking at this picture, I'm amazed and, like, shocked because I realized I'm looking at a picture of my son. I I was like, wow, that's my son, you know. I was just at awe that I was looking at a picture of my son. So,
0: And you're at this time just three years old, right? I'm
1: three years old, yes.
0: <laughs> and
1: I'm looking at a picture of my son, and I knew it was my son. I don't know how, but as I'm looking at this picture, I knew that this was my son. Mm-hmm. So what I now, I guess this would be a life review. Well, it, it continued, and at some point it ended. Now, when it ended, I was moving again and it's like I stepped into this dark tunnel or it was like a a subway tunnel almost but it was dark and Mm. if I looked to my left I noticed, as I looked to my left I noticed that there were other people into the same tunnel and I I figured or assumed that they had just saw what I saw and uh, it's at this point that I see some other things, Uh, I'm going to try to make it as short as possible for you because it could be a long show.
0: No, that's that's all right. Give us us as much detail as you can.
1: Okay, well, I also noticed a figure to my right. Now, I'm going to give you the feelings I had when I looked to the right that this figure had just saw and knew everything that I had just seen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was shame or guilt, but I knew at at particular points during the life of you that I now call it or no, that there were times I wanted to look away and I couldn't. It's like I was being forced to look at at those times. So with that in mind, as I'm looking at this figure, I I looked away quickly because I guess it was out of shame of what we had both witnessed. So I noticed the door in front of me. as when I looked ahead. Now I, I believe there was some writing above the door. I, at the time, I might have known it perfectly well what the thing was, but as it is right now, I could it. But I know I did not go through that door. And to my left, it was darkness. I mean, it was complete darkness. And that kind of scared me. So at, at the moment, I'm feeling this fear. I feel like a two or three mile an hour breeze come from the direction of the person I was trying not to look at. And when that breeze hit me, all the fear that I had completely went away. It's as if the word fear meant no sense to me. Mm. And it's at this point I'm now holding hands, like I'm turned around, and I'm now holding hands with the woman that, that called me to come to her. And we're looking at the scene. As I turn around, looking with her holding hands, I notice that we're looking at the scene of the accident. So what I see on on I'm a, you said hold nothing back, so I'll tell you exactly what I thought. It looked to be okay. like it was on some type of a big screen, mm-hmm. and as I'm looking at this huge screen, I see the car, I see my family members, and I can see other people around and the person that hit. Now, for some reason, I was I wasn't concerned about me. It's almost like I didn't want to look at it, and when I okay, as we're looking at this, I'm holding hands with her, and I asked her. At this particular time, I said, why are they worried about that thing on the ground? I'm okay. And I honestly felt like that scene scene to me was like being in a car accident and having the car just totaled. But I'm able to get out of it, stand with my family members, and have my family members crying over the car.
0: In other words, your body was like a car.
1: It it felt like I had no connection to it at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I was, I had no concern about it at all, and I didn't see why anybody else would. So that scene, to me, at it, 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 some point, I guess it, it got to be too much, and I didn't want to see it anymore. So it's like I was taken, I don't know if it was voluntary, or or it, well, I was just taken you know, without my control, but I was taken somewhere, and it was really, really dark in this place. Now, I could sense that there were other people around me but I couldn't see them or didn't want to see them. I don't know. But one of the distinct things I can remember while I was in that dark place was I kept hearing, like a whisper in my ear, go to the light, go to the light. <clears throat> and <clears throat> as I look back, I know hearing that almost irritated me for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, but I guess I didn't want to leave at that particular time. But I'm there what it seemed like eternity. I would have to say, Lee, I was there it seemed like 42 years it seemed like to me. Even though I don't know how long the accident, you know, was in total, to mm-hmm. me it seemed like a lifetime I was there just thinking. But at some point in time, I guess my mindset changed or I thought about something and it it, it was good thought because I felt myself rise up to it was still a dark place, but now I can see at least the outlines or auras of people, and I could, I could sense conversations. I could, I could communicate. It would seem, and um, at this point, uh, things are kind of further. I can't remember exactly everybody, or if I interacted with anybody other than one particular person. But there was one particular person I distinctly remember talking to. Now, uh, there's a young girl named. Anna, I cannot remember her name, Lee, but she's a nine-year-old prodigy. Mm-hmm. She's been painting since she was four. Mm-hmm. She painted the exact—it's like she she painted a portrait or a, a a photo of the person that I spoke with. Now, mm. this this person, I, he told me I can't remember all of the conversation, but I do remember being told that I would not remember everything that I saw or, or most of this conversation. And I remember being kind of irritated about that. and and But he, he told me that, and then he asked me a couple of questions. He asked me, well, why do you want to go back? And I told him at first that I wanted to go back to help my mother raise my brothers. Now, at the time, it's only me and one brother. But I told him that I wanted to go back and help my mama raise my brothers, which meant that I knew my mama's my mother was gonna have more children. So he kind of chuckled at that and he asked me what was the real reason I wanted to go back. And I told him I want to leave the world a better place than I had. With that being said, Lee, all of a sudden I'm being shot back. Toward the accident scene. And I now know it was the accident scene. At the time, I didn't know where I was going. I just know I was moving at a high rate of speed. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I know I'm back at the accident scene. And as I'm looking at it now, it's like, it's been a 100 years since I've been to this scene. It's like, why am I back here? Uh, <laughs> and it, 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 I can't explain it, but the time and the speed at which we move is incredible. But as, that's how I felt going back, looking back at this scene. Now... Uh, at some particular point, somebody approaches the scene, walks up to the scene, and this person is immensely tall. But and would have been scary had I not felt comfortable seeing that person. I felt like this person was a comforter, or some of mine, or a protector. And I believe this person uh, was the person that sent me back to the to the accident to this side. So as I'm sitting there. The next thing I know, I'm, I'm going through like a tunnel that swirls, and, and I hear music and chimes. And I'm coming back. I now know I'm coming back to this apparent reality. But before I come back, I'm like hovering of inside the barber, looking at my 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 body, like straight on, like you yeah. would like you would be if you're looking at a mirror. And I'm at this point regretting going back into it. It's like the last thing I really wanted to do was go back into it, and it was like I was crying inside, and the next thing I know, boom, I'm thrown back into my body, Mm. and as if nothing had ever happened. Now, at this point, um, uh, you can imagine people are frantic, and I'm picked up by, uh, I now know the uh, person that hit me had picked me up, because they were uh, apparently worried about ambulance not making it there in time, and then the person apparently gave me to my mother. Now, all through this time, I know I'm not crying. I mean, as a matter of fact, when me and my, mothers talked about, my mother talked about it over the years, the only thing I could remember when we talked about the accident was that I knew I wasn't crying. But I didn't know why. I couldn't remember why. It's like that was a blank spot. I was like, I know I wasn't crying, but I don't remember why. And uh, I now know that it was because <clears throat> I had a little bit of that peace come back with me. And it was only when my my mother was checking me out and she was frantic that kind of scared me and had me thinking, well, what was that I just went through? And it's at that particular time I cried for the first time. Hmm. So that was the NDE, uh, as it were, in its full entirety. Now, the after effects are are astounding in in itself uh, because... My I didn't remember any of this until after my my brother passed away. So, with that being said,
0: and that was years later, right?
1: Yeah, that was that was years later. But how, how, how old were you?
0: How old were you when that happened?
1: I was. It just happened in 2010. Yes. And I'll explain how that happened. But one of the things that stuck out to me was when I was brought back from the hospital. As a matter of fact, I just found out that. When I was in the hospital, the doctors, you know, checked me out and they there were a few, They said I was pretty much okay and were ready to send me home. But my grandmother was a real, real religious woman and she told the doctors, no, you're not going to let my, grandf- my grandson go home. And, and she convinced the doctors to, to keep me overnight. Well, that night, my kidneys ruptured. Mm. And my mother checked me out and she noticed that my catheter had blood all in it. And she, of course, you know, lost it. <laughs> and yeah. um, and the doctors, you know, they tried to save my kidneys and save my life. So apparently they did a good job. So mm-hmm. with that being said, uh, they, you know, life continued. So I was re- released from the hospital. And what I remember now, and it, it stands out to me as a as a big moment was after going seeing that life review. I saw an awful lot, Lee. And when I when my mother brought me home for the first time, and I I she set me down to play with my brother. When I looked at him, Lee, it was as if I it was you know how a dog can can like turn his head and. When it's, when it's wondering about a particular moment or something looks funny to it, well, when I looked at my brother, that's the kind of feeling I had. It was like, how am I looking at you? Because apparently, Lee, I had seen even his death and hmm. and and facets of my life, and you know, including his death. And so when I looked at him, it was like, how am I? How am I looking at you? And after all of I've seen, but I was so young. It, it didn't take long for it. I'm not thinking about that anymore. And life continued. And uh, as the years went by, this memory got pushed further and further and further uh, from my mind until it was all but forgotten. up till my brother passed away in 2010. And I don't think that was an accident. I think that was like, it was like almost like a time lock because his, brother, his death hit me so hard that it would have took something like that for me to be comforted because the way I, I remembered what happened to me was that he died in his sleep and I didn't get a chance to say bye to him and I felt kind of cheated you know, I I was raised in the Church of God in Christ and I know what type of lifestyle my brother lived and I was worried about him being surfing in the hell and you know, being tormented and, and I was just wondering what what he went through so I didn't have I don't know what led me to do it, but I just want to know what he went through. I typed in, Googled, I Googled, what happens when you die? Mm. And these things pop up called near-death experiences. So I'm looking at these videos, and to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty much writing the people off. Uh, and that's pretty much the just of why, what I thought of it. But I wanted to know so badly that I just kept watching them. I missed them so badly. So as I'm watching this one video, and I guess this guy had got with like a, a movie producer to give us a glimpse of what he saw to give us a visual representation. Mm-hmm. So as I'm watching this one video, I'm sitting in front of a computer, and just matter of factly, he gets to this point, and I just I say, oh, I remember that. Just like that, Lee. I remember that. <laughs> Lee, I, I, I backed away from the computer like it had just spoke to me. And and I wa- wondered, where did that memory come from? So I went outside to think about it. And, and when I stepped outside and thought about that memory, it's, it's as if the door, the floodgates to everything that I saw came back to me. Hmm. And so... It's at that point, for the first time in over 40 years, I realized what happened to me. And, I mean, I can't describe to you to know what it's like when you passed, what happened when you died. I mean, that's the ultimate question, Lee. And to know that you've caught a glimpse of it, I mean, <laughs> it was uh, quite a day, I'll tell you that. It was quite a day. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, and now, my my first reaction is okay. Well, I want to comfort everybody I know. Hey, if that was death, we don't have anything to worry about. I mean, that piece was <laughs> amazing. I mean, if that was death. That's let me tell the let me shout it to the world. So the first thing I want to do is tell my mother. Of course, she's she's tore up torn up because it hadn't been uh, but a few months. From I think he died in August and Sep in August two thousand ten. By September, I remember. Hmm. So. Uh, now I want to comfort her, but it's still f- so fresh. So when I go, imagine imaginatively, I go to my mother, I say, Mama, don't worry. I know what happened to Avery. I know what happened when you died. Okay, think about that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you can imagine my mother's like, okay, he's uh, he's lost it. He, he, he's, he's lost it. But my mother being the person she is, she, she worked with me. She said, well, um, maybe maybe now's not a good time to talk about it. (laughs) So, you know, and so I had to come to grips that, you know, it's a a way to approach everybody and I can't just do it like that. But to me, this was, ah, this was earth shattering, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so over the time, I kept trying to convince my my mother and other family members that, you know, I had caught a glimpse and not to worry about it. But the subject that, you know, I found it, People stray away from. They're scared of it, and absolutely,
0: absolutely. Just because of time, Leonard, I think we have to move ahead to what happened to you next with that aneurysm.
1: Yes. Uh, well, uh, as I'm coming to grips with all of this, uh, it, I'm having headaches that are are extremely, I mean, painful. I wouldn't wish these headaches on anybody I know, but uh, I had been. Dealing with it, you know, I would take me a few pain pills and and, and ride through it. But it got to the point where uh, they were extreme. I mean, they would bring tears to my eyes every time. And I would almost take anything. I would have welcomed death, to be honest with you, to get away from those headaches. And I'm having one one day and my mother, she's still going through the things with my brother passing. And I didn't want to put her through anything else. She asked me to go to the hospital. Well, normally I would have said, no, I'll be fine, but I didn't want to put her in through anything, so I decided, okay, I'll, I'll go. So we go to the hospital, and they uh, give me some, uh, they take, take some x-rays, and while they take the x after while we're waiting on the results, um, I'm getting a little rest, and one of the, the nurses walk in, well, runs in, basically, and said, Mr. Rogers, we're going to need you to put on this robe. The doctor found some, Blood. He's going to be in here to explain to you. They're going to be taking you up and prepping you for surgery. So I'm like, at this point, like, okay, what part did I miss? I just walked in with a headache. Why am I having some <laughs> surgery? So the doctor walks in and he explains to me that yes, they indeed had found an aneurysm, and that they were going to take me up and and give me emergency surgery to try to stop the bleeding. So he pretty much like Doctor House. Said, "Good luck," and walked out of the <laughs> out of the room. So, I was,
0: <laughs> very I was cold, doctor.
1: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that was the best he could do. But uh, <laughs> you
0: know,
1: I just took it. And at this point, now I'm having a déjà vu because when he walked out, I started having a déjà vu. And I'm I'm sitting there with my mother, and I asked her after he walked out. I said, "Mother, uh, mom, what do, what do you think about what I just?" What I told you happened to me, 'cause it's been a while now, and I asked her again what she thought about it. She, that's when she she was brutally honest, and she told me that she thought I had made up this fantasy world because I missed my brother, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, and uh, that was kind of hard, but you know, cause you want your mother to believe you if, uh, above anybody, you know. If, I, I can understand if it's come from somebody else, but you want your mama to believe you, so.
0: Absolutely. You know, many many uh family members have this kind of reaction when when somebody has a near death experience and it's very discouraging because people feel like they shouldn't be talking about it. Um yeah. now because we're down to the last 3 minutes of the show, um you had a what's basically a miraculous cure from this um aneurysm. And yeah. I'd like I'd like you to just tell us a, a a little bit about that but then also go on to tell me uh, tell tell us all about your child
1: okay well i'll see if i can brief it up for you um <laughs> to make a long story short um they did some tests uh and they were pretty much finalizing the uh, surgery and at, the, mm-hmm. at this point that since i know my mothers didn't believe me i i put a prayer out there and i asked that my mother be shown that all of this was real and that everything go away. So, I said that prayer. And after that prayer, every test that they did, I mean, they, they couldn't find anything and they couldn't explain it. Uh, they gave me a spinal tap to look for the blood. and they, they just couldn't find the blood and they couldn't explain it. So, after a while, I'm approached and and they wanted me to sign some papers, of, uh, understandably, because they had given me um, some steroids and things of that nature. And they were worried about a lawsuit probably, but I had knew that I was going to be okay, and I had actually told my mother that I would be okay, and I would walk out of the hospital. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew it. So, um, life goes on. I I, I leave the hospital, and, you know, I have to say, Lee, I felt a a sense of invincibility after the aneurysm, because it was as Mm -hmm. if I knew I had something to do, and until I do it, I wouldn't be going anywhere. Um, So, I actually walked away from the hospital because it was so late. I was unable to get a ride that night. So I actually walked away from the hospital after just having an aneurysm disappear. And I was, I was, that was quite a walk. I will tell you that, but, um, life continues for the most part. Now. Yep. Uh, now we're
0: down to about 30 seconds. <laughs> Leonard. Oh,
1: sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Well, I had an old girlfriend and we were high school lovers and, uh We stayed in Houston, and I had to move back here with my mom. Well, I got one phone call from her since I moved back, and I hadn't heard from her since. And that one phone call, she told me that she thought she might have been pregnant. Now, Mm -hmm. after the accident, my mother had told me that uh, the doctors told her that it it would probably be difficult for me to have children. So... Couple that with the fact that she told me that she thought she might have been pregnant, and I never heard from her again. Um, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe she wasn't pregnant, or maybe it wasn't mine, or she just was never pregnant, and I didn't think I could have I, any children.
0: I guess I guess we're we're pretty much out of time, Leonard. But long story short, you discover that you did father a child, and that you had seen this child in your NDE, isn't that right?
1: Yes, he, he sent me a picture. I was as I was looking for his mother, he sent me a picture. And the, the picture that he sent me uh, was a picture, the same picture that was paused on when I was three years old. So yeah. as I'm looking at this picture, I realized that I'm looking at a picture of my son. And it was at that point I realized that I had found a son I never knew I had. He told. He then informed me, he also informed me that his mother had been dead since he was 10. Yeah. So the odds of me finding a a son I never knew I had, and his mother been dead since he was ten. Were were you know was just amazing
0: we're, to me. We're amazing, I know. Leonard, thank you so much for telling us your story. Um, it as you said, when you get into the detail of these things, uh, that stories <laughs> it's become much out. much longer than we have in a half hour's. Uh, but but the the key of this is that um, to communicate these experiences because they're so richly uh, spiritually rich for people to hear and uh, um, I'm glad you tried with your mother, and I'm sure she eventually uh, must have seen what, what it was you were trying to explain. I, I want to thank Leonard Rogers for being our guest today on NDE Radio. If you'd like to listen to this program again, it will be archived along with our other shows at nderadio.org, and check out the IONS website at ions.org. We'll be back next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.